Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are coming at you with practice day nine discussions from training camp. It was a very, very light day. Really not much to talk about from everything I gather from our folks at the OBR who were live on site and reports from those covering practice in general and and, uh, especially those in-house I talked to. Uh, No pads today. Obviously a preparation day leading up to the scrimmage that is tomorrow. They're not calling it a scrimmage, calling it a practice, orange and brown practice. I'll talk about that a little bit later with our guest. Uh, so no pads, you know, jerseys, shorts, cleats, helmets, three-quarter speed day. They do the normal things, seven-on-seven seven run period, but they're very calculated about how the day before they get together on a Sunday. And this is a prep, sort of a, it really is a prep for what the game days will look like. You get in the stadium. It's good to have a dry run on some of those things. So they really like to get in the stadium and do these things for uh, you know, the purpose of getting guys accustomed to where they'll be in the locker room in the stadium, because the locker room obviously in the stadium is a different one from their normally uh, stuck in at uh, at Berea. So they they try to do this stuff to get used to the situations at the field, dry run, everything at the field, get it run, volume, all of that, uh, all that stuff too. So it is a, it's a good it's a good session at First Energy Stadium. I don't know if you're going or not. Uh, I plan to be there with some family. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 really it's a nice thing for for the players, nice thing for the personnel staff, for the stadium staff to get all that stuff going. So no other real notes from practice. I mean, Denzel Ward took the day off. Odell's in a bucket hat. They're going to be very cautious with this day. I guess the note is that the quarterback uh, RV is back, so they're doing that again. I'm sure Baker had uh, Kyle Lalletta maybe take care of that. I don't know. Baker probably pays for it, and then maybe Lalletta is responsible for setting it all up. I'm not sure what that looks like. Maybe we'll get some more insight on that. It was a huge HBO thing a few years ago, but yeah, it seems to be parked back outside. But um, no real note. I mean, we're going to talk about Clown, not Clowney, but we're going to talk about Tack McKinley really extensively with with Brown's uh, mock draft. Our guest Stephen Thomas, he's going to join me. We're going to break down that really weird situation. But other than that, really not many reports about practice today because again, it is a it's a slow period. It's a, it's really a walkthrough before a game. Not a walkthrough, but more up tempo. But the same sort of situation where you're preparing to go full full speed ahead. And they're going to have some things at live sessions. They're going to do two minute drills. They're going to do a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, live practice sessions for the fans. So if you're going, it's a really unique opportunity to see how they structure practice up close. So only other thing I thought was interesting was Jack Conklin's talk about uh, how. The, between the four guys, Miles, uh, Jadevian, Clowney, Jed, and, and Jack, they kind of have this camaraderie going among the four to see, you know, they like to push each other in practice, and, and that stuff makes that stuff makes it better, you know? Like, those those are the things that, that really make these two tackles better, and it makes these defensive ends better because these two tackles are obviously some of the best pass-blocking tackles in the league, and as a tandem are really good. And uh, I thought that Conklin's comment about you saw last year a lot of teams double-teamed Miles. When you get a guy like Clowney on the other side, you have to pick and choose. It's going to help our our defense so much with those guys being able to get pressure. You're going to see more pressures on the quarterback than ever. So it was good stuff. I think that I always like the pra- or the uh, media sessions before practice because we get to talk to the players a little bit and don't always get to talk to them. But otherwise, not much of practice. Have a ton of notes. So I'll take notes. I'll watch the scrimmage and 
and we'll probably have a, a fan mailbag. So listener mailbag for this podcast. If you have a question about the scrimmage, prepare that. Fire it at me on Twitter. I'll collect all those questions based on my observation at practice. I guess it'd be multiple observations at practice on Sunday there. I will be able to provide some insights for you. So if you have those, I'll put out a thing on Twitter about this too. Fire those questions over. Let me know. DM me if you want to. You can do that. Hit us up in the OBR Discord. You can do that. Whatever you'd like to do, fire those questions. I'll answer them Sunday night based on what I saw, and you'll get an answer on Monday's podcast. So, again, I'll advertise that you can respond on Twitter. Get a hold of me however you like whenever you listen to this podcast. Anyway, it's fine. We are going to talk about TAC with Browns Mock here in just a second. I want to get to that interview because there's a lot to break down. Potentially what it looks like, what we know right now, where it could go, names on the roster, names that are out there. I think it's worth getting out in front of and just having a conversation. Could be nothing, could be everything. We'll see what it shakes out to be. But yeah, let's welcome on Browns Mock and, uh, and get into some conversation about the, the sort of weird situation around Tack McKinley. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, Browns mock draft. Mr. Stephen Thomas, how are you, my friend? Life is a cabaret, Mr. Burns, and uh, I won't let anyone tell me different. So, uh, Plus, I get to talk uh, Browns football, actual Browns football, with my good friend. So what's better than that? What's better than that? What is a, ca- a cabaret by definition? Is that like a party? What, what is that? No, a cabaret is a small showroom. Ah. Go back and watch the... Uh, Absolutely spectacular. I believe 1972 was the year musical cabaret with uh, Liza Minnelli. Uh, and uh, you'll, you will understand. But back in the day, back when the, uh, the uh, Rat Pack was uh, in Vegas and, and dominating everything, they did. people thought they played these giant caverns. They played 100-seat cabaret theaters, and they would do four or five shows a night at the Stardust and the Sands and all those old places. So it's kind of just, by, uh, just like a smaller theater basically is what it is yeah we uh if we can get a break from puppy dog pals around here i will i will try to throw one of those up to see if i can huge huge puppy dog pals uh fans over this way um among among many other you know you're the you're the parent of a toddler not only do you know all the words to your kids songs you have favorites that's how you know it's over my friend yeah it is it is a lot of that a lot of uh which i tweet about uh bluey um, you know, for, for, for those folks out there who have kids and yeah, that's a lot of what we get into. Not many cabarets that go on here and really he's gotten into Paw Patrol too. We'll save that discussion, uh, for those who are interested in our child, uh, what, what our children are watching episode, which will come up maybe during the bye week. We'll, we'll hit on that. But today we're going to talk about 
Tack McKinley because I think you know it's it's nothing until it's something, Steve. And it's right. I was up there Monday of last week, and I'm sitting there watching practice with binoculars because, as I've said on this pod 32 times now, I'm 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 a good two fields away and can barely see things. But I noticed once, okay, Tack's down. He's on a knee. It was high 70s, sunny, kind of you know toasty in the stands, but on a football field, that's nothing camp wise, and. He's just on a knee after a play, and I'm like, okay, it's kind of weird. Maybe he's got some heat exhaustion. Hell, maybe he got kicked in the nuts. I don't know. You never know because someone swings a leg or whatever, and he left. He and then not not three or four more plays later, he was back out, and um, it's uh, it's it was the same thing. And I'm like, God, that's really strange. It was really strange how he was acting. He was on a knee and in grimacing pain, and then I thought that was strange. He walked off the field, looked fine. They were reporting he's fine. He hasn't really been around much. And then what was said in this uh, uh, press conference today was really interesting and got us talking in our OBR Slack channel, which is uh, Kevin Stefanski does his head coach press conference every every you know prior to and post most practices. Uh, he was asked if Dean Tack McKinley will return to the practice today. Uh, he said he will not have Tack back. To, we will not have Tack back today. I don't know if there's an ex- any expectation for when he will return. He said, I really do not have an expectation for when he will return. That kind of sends off the alarm bells because what he we were told was he was missing the day before because of a personal reason. And then at the uh, end of the presser, he was asked if they expect him back at camp at all. And he said, I just do not have a time frame yet, but I really can't get too far into it, which is, again, if you're getting too far into it, that means there's layers of what's going on. And if he can disclose that McKinley back for the start of the regular season, he said, I'm hopeful but I do not have a time frame. So it's it's a little ominous, right, Steve? I mean, it could be not much to do about nothing, or it could be everything here. So, you know, tell me, where do you sit on it? Should should we think that he's not going to be a part of the 2021 Browns? Um, I think it's a little too early for that, although there's certainly a pathway to that. Because um, like you said, it's, uh, you know, for at first it was, uh, he was sick. And so then, you know, for most of the past week, my head was, okay, he got like a a stomach bug or something like that. Because if it was COVID, if he was on the co in the COVID protocol, they have to tell you that. I mean, they don't have to tell you whether he was a positive or just a close contact or anything like that. But they have to say this player is in the protocol. They can't just, you know, hide it. Um, So saying that he was sick led me to think, you know, just a stomach flu or something like that. And Anybody out there who's tried to come back from a stomach flu early knows it it can linger if you if you come back too soon and it can make you sick and it can make you go down on a knee and look like you got kicked in the nuts, like you just said, you know, especially if you're trying to do physical activity at the level that these guys are. And, you know, with as the glowing words about tack the first you know week of camp or whatever it was before this happened, you know, he wanted to get back out there and keep his momentum going. So that's where my head was until this morning. Um, and like I said uh, in our Slack channel and on Twitter, both, uh, I think it's interesting at this point. I haven't reached concerning yet because anybody out there who's listened to coach speak for years and years and years, like you and I have, knows that there are things that they say and things that they don't say when it's in a certain area. He has not yet used any of the phrases, Kevin Stefanski I'm talking about, in the world of, well, you know, that uh, the medical folks are looking into it and we'll, we have a great medical staff here and we'll trust them to make whatever decision is best for both him and the team. You know, when they start saying stuff like that, 
that's when it gets really concerning because there's an there's clearly some kind of potentially serious medical issue when they start using that. He hasn't even approached that yet. He has not said a word about any of that yet. Now, I know everybody's mind immediately flashes back to last year, Greedy Williams being day to day for like, you know, six months or whatever it was before he finally went out for the year. And Tech might be out. For, I have no idea. I'm not saying that. I'm saying we're not there yet, I don't think. Now, if you want me to put on my tinfoil hat, um, I, I can do that for you, but I don't think we want to go there uh, right now on this pod. So I, yeah, I, I would say interesting at this point. We will keep our eyes on it. Um, the Cleveland media, as we know, when they smell blood in the water like this, will now be sleuthing and hammering and parsing every word uh, that every single person says. And, you know, they're going to be looking in the background of pictures that other players post on their IGs to see if there's been any clues to where Tack and Wheel, oh, look, Tack was over at John Johnson's house, so he must be okay. You know, that kind of stuff is going to start happening. So whatever it is, it will get sussed out fairly soon uh, because uh, everybody's on the scent now. But as far as just being a fan at this point, we still have over a month until the first game. So uh, I'll say for the third time, interesting, on the radar, something to note and keep track of at this point. But it, for me, anyway, it has not yet reached the level of, okay, I'm really worried about this. So tinfoil is not, we're not going to go full on tinfoil, but it's something to remember, Steve, that he did have the shoulder injury that, that kept him out all of last year, put him on the IR. He's played the first few weeks. I think he left week three early, and then there was a whole thing about his shoulder shut him down. What what that may so it, could it be tied to a shoulder? Maybe it's something that is so debilitating that it's causing him an immense amount of pain. Maybe that's why he was on the ground wincing. I don't know. There's any number of things this could be, and you hope it's not something on the mental side of things, but it could be uh, where a guy is contemplating his love for football. I'm, again, this podcast is not meant to speculate about what's going on with him. I know where I'm saying some things here. What I'm hoping for is that he's okay, first of uh-huh. all, that he's mentally fine, he's physically fine. It could be, it, it literally could be whatever you want to conjure up. The only thing he has in his background from a physical standpoint is the shoulder thing that kept him out and put him on the IR last year. So if that's the case, we'll see. But for now, the answers were ominous enough from Kevin that I think you have to be like, that's peculiar to to not even know if a guy you signed is going to be there by the end of camp which the camp has multiple weeks i mean preseason is camp so there's a ton of preseason left and then and then saying i don't even know if he's going to be there week one is strange and if and i listen i'm with you i would always trust i do trust kevin but the way greedy went last year where he just kept saying he's day to day he's day to day and that's probably true he wasn't lying he didn't know i think the shoulder thing with greedy was so weird that he didn't know but it's just like they're going to always protect these things, and I think that you should start in your mind, at least for me, people who cover the team, maybe you guys listening to this pod aren't, aren't having your you know, wheels spinning on who's on the roster, but we should look, Steve, right? Like, here's, the, here's who this affects. If he is not, first of all, it affects, if we don't know if he's going to be back by the first three preseason games, there's opportunity now right. for people. So Porter Gustin was kind of, cons- we know the top two guys are, we hear about them all the time. Then it comes down to these names. Porter Gustin and Joe Jackson, who played on the roster last year, uh, both rotational guys. Uh, Joe Jackson came on a little bit later, but but Porter they Gustin. They like him. Yeah. They do, yeah. And Cameron Malvo saw a little bit of time last year, came on late on the roster when uh, when there were Miles was on the COVID list. He was around. He's been around. 
second year. He's a second year player out of Houston. And then obviously two more guys, uh, newcomers to the actual Browns practice field. Curtis Weaver, uh, who the Browns we all know kept on our. This is a big opportunity for Curtis Weaver and Romeo McKnight, the the undrafted free agent out of. Uh, sorry, yeah, he's an undrafted free agent out of Charlotte. So to me, Steve, correct me if I'm wrong here. Curtis Weaver highly impacted. Porter Gustin, it will will certainly as we sit today. If we're saying if we're saying tax not going to be available. He's the third defensive end. Joe Jackson's right there. Like, but to me, this impacts Curtis Weaver a hell of a lot and puts the pressure on one of these three guys on the roster. And I should include Cameron Malvone being unfair to him because he had a really great one-on-one rep with Jed. Got up underneath Jed's shoulder pads and put him in a pickle uh, that I was like, hold on, who was that? I was like, was that Miles? And I was like, oh, it's Cameron, Cameron Malvone. Um, so, but, but again, to me, it's like Curtis Weaver is in Joe Jackson, who are those guys maybe fighting for that fourth or fifth D end role having to have an immediate impact there. I mean, where do you go from the roster? Like what stands out to you from those guys? Like opportunity yeah, wise, every, every person you mentioned obviously will be affected some way. And, you know, after we talk about this, we'll talk about how it could potentially affect the interior defensive line too. Um, like you said though, and I should have said this in my uh, first segment there. Uh, he's a 25 year old young man. So the most important thing is that he's healthy. Uh, from a physical and mental standpoint. I don't know if he had COVID in the last year. Maybe it's COVID long haul type stuff. I don't, you know, I I have no idea. Um, But that's another potential thing for people to investigate. Um, But yeah, as far as who's next up, honestly, if you look at it, uh, you hate to say it this way, but if Clowney and Miles are both healthy all year, I think they're going to be more than okay. Tack. Uh, was, I don't know if luxury is the right word, but if, you know, both he and Clowney both coming back and regaining their former glory would have been like over the moon type scenario. So they'll be okay as long as those first two guys stay healthy. But, it, you know, it would affect somebody. Now, like you said, they really like Curtis Weaver, obviously, uh, because of the way they've handled him for the last year. And we've heard about how he transformed his body and you know after they snatched him away from Miami and all that kind of stuff Joe Jackson they apparently like along with Cameron Malveaux because they've been here a long time and we as fans are like you know they don't really put up a lot of stats and they don't but if if a team keeps you around for more than just you know they weren't just a body signing is what I'm saying you know they, they they do that for three four weeks at a time maybe six weeks and then they get rid of a guy those guys are still here so they obviously like both of those guys uh, Porter Gustin has shown what he can do. Super high effort, high energy guy, perfect for that fourth or fifth uh, edge role where you don't get a ton of snaps. And the ones that you do, they say, hey, Porter, go in there, play with your hair on fire for eight snaps. And and he does it, you know, and he, he makes three or four big impact uh, plays per year. And that's what he did last year. He's he's perfect for that role. Uh, I like Romeo McKnight. I remember being kind of excited when they signed him as a UDFA on draft night, but he is at least in my eyes, quite clearly a guy they want to stash on the practice squad for a year and not really expose him uh, too soon. Uh, I could be wrong, but uh, yeah, I think if we're looking, I mean, see, it's, I, I would, my brain would say Curtis Weaver would be not next up just because of all of the things that we've heard about how much they like him and how he's transformed his body and how he looks explosive and, you know, all the things that we've heard. But he's such a wild card. We have no idea. You know, he's a rookie for all intents and purposes since he sat out all last year. It hasn't suited up 
in over a year. And he's trying to make that jump from the Mountain West, which is, you know, a little bit tougher than jumping from the Big Ten or the SEC or something like that. So I would guess that they in their heart of hearts, they would want him uh, to take over that third uh, third edge role. But yeah, you're right. It does come down to the rest of those guys for uh, three, four, and five. Or the other thing they could do, because we all know Malik Jackson can go outside, uh, maybe he gets into a little bit more of a rotation and he and Clowney swap spots uh, a little more frequently. And that opens up, so, you know, maybe maybe instead of, you know, 15 or 20% of his snaps, of Malik Jackson's snap coming out on the edge, maybe they move it up to 30 or something like that, 35. And that in in tandem opens up another spot for another IDL to sneak onto the back end of the 53. I don't know. It's interesting uh, if he is. And, and again, like you said, this is worst case scenario. This is if Tack is just gone, like he doesn't play it down and he's out for the whole year. They they do have options. And of course, there's still, you know, I know we're going to talk about it here in a second, but, they, you know, they could trade for somebody at the end of camp. They could uh, sign. There's still some you know, serviceable free agents that are out there right now, probably looking for an opportunity and that kind of stuff. So I think they'll be all right. I don't want it to happen. And at this point, I'm still not in the camp where I think it's going to happen. But I think they'll be okay. Uh, losing tack will not. I mean, it's not like it's not going to impact their, you know, AFC North chances, AFC conference championships and, and uh, Super Bowl chances like it would if uh, if Clowney or Miles went down for the year or something like that. So uh, it's not nothing, but like you said at the top, it's not yet something. So just keep your eyes on it at this point. Yeah, good point. I was going to kind of carry over to that topic too, which is that it's not going to sway much. It's 20, 25 snaps a game maybe on the high end. It's not going to sway much, but it is nice to have that because it's mm-hmm. still – it's still uh, you have to consider that COVID's still around, and at any moment anybody can be snatched away from your roster again, vaccinated or unvaccinated. Somebody can be snatched away on a game day, and you need those people. You know, we saw Adrian Claiborne and uh, Olivier Vernon have to have to find their way into bigger roles last year. We saw Porter Gustin have to step up. Like I said, we saw Joe Jackson. We saw Cameron Malvo. We're, we're seeing these guys. So, yeah, I think you're right about the impact might not be huge, but it might have an impact on – positions around them like interior defensive line so maybe a Malik McDowell who has the body type to play both creeps onto the end of the roster maybe Marvin Wilson now gets onto the end of the roster they only kept four defensive ends last year and four defensive tackles so who knows if they expand that group to nine I don't know uh between those two positions we'll have to see it's just uh again I think it opens the door if it's something it opens the door for some guys who Maybe we're clearly on the outside looking in. We'll see. There are options, like you mentioned, Steve, on on the market. You know, we'll talk about. I'll get some free agent names from you here in just a second. And again, just we're just trying to be out in front of this uh, as best we can. With with if it does come to fruition, you could say, okay, I heard those guys talking about these people are available. Um, trade potential here, like if a guy gets cut, the Browns will be at the bottom of the waiver list when camp cuts happen. That's not you know that's clear as day, but. If a guy, say say somebody like a Wyatt Teller was available through trade, the Browns could take a position of strength and talk with another team who also right. needs that position, but maybe has a fringe defensive end who is talented enough to make a roster somewhere. So could you trade a truly, truly hypothetical? Could you trade a Kaderil Hodge for somebody? Could you trade somebody like that for another defensive end? Take a tight end out of it. Maybe Steven Carlson's of interest to somebody because he's having a great camp. Maybe you could trade him to some, just again. 
thoughts that could be out there. So that's something you could see happen. They could claim, they could just straight up claim somebody from another team they want to keep on their roster uh, if a guy gets to their their waiver claim number. So keep that in mind. You, I mean, Olivier Vernon is somebody we probably have to talk about, but Olivier was like always a late season addition. Law. If something happened, it's week 13 and he's rehabbed his butt off and he's back and he's, he's his agent's telling people he's healthy. Somebody, if the Browns needed to sign because of injuries, he could maybe go back to Cleveland, but he's not going to be a guy who's ready early. So Olivier Vernon's kind of fun to think about that idea, but that's not really going to happen. Who are some free agents that you know off the top of your head, Steve, that could be of interest? Uh, Quickly, before I get to that, I should clarify, um, uh, like you said, losing tack, as long as everybody else stays healthy, would not have a tremendous negative impact. However, I will say this. If Jadevian Clowney and Miles Garrett both stay healthy all year and you get tack back at what he was as, as a rookie, the positive impact that he have would be rather significant. Okay. That would be, it would be huge to have him on the roster. He would add something, but you can certainly compete for the, for the division and the conference and everything without him. So that might sound contradictory. It's really not. I just wanted to get that out there. Um, Yeah. As far as Olivier goes, it was always a late, uh, you know, like you said, week 12, week 13, something like that, at best. I mean, he's north of 30 now, and unfortunately for him, as we all know, the timing of the injury happening at the end of the season, it's a full calendar year to come back from that. If you're 24, you know, uh, it's the the odds of him being ready before, say, December, and I'm certainly rooting for the guy. We liked him when he was here, but uh, it seems unlikely to me right now. As far as signing somebody, the thing you always got to say is, are any of the guys that are left out there significantly better than the guys they already have in-house, um, and or at least in the eyes of Andrew Barry and the rest of the front office? And I don't know. I don't know if they are. I think they're going to give these in-house options at least another week or so before they seriously entertain somebody like... Uh, I don't know. I know Everson Griffin is out there. Didn't have a great year last year, but you know he's got the pedigree. He's known he can do it, and maybe in a smaller role, he can still you know show the burst. Same with a guy like uh, uh, Trent Murphy, Adrian Claiborne, who you mentioned, uh, is still out there. There's if you're you know as athletic as Vic Beasley, people are still probably going to give you a chance. I don't know if you know they the Browns would do it here. They've had multiple uh, chances to sign him. And just didn't go that route. Jabal Sheard, an old Cleveland guy, he's out there. As far as I know, he's still unsigned, can still, you know, like I said, in a smaller rotational role, can give you that veteran presence out there. There are guys like that that are available, but those guys, as well as anyone that, um, like you mentioned, those, and we've been talking about for a month or so now, those late uh, camp trades where it's, we're going to cut this guy. You're going to cut that guy. We're both low on the waiver wire, so let's trade him instead. Um, I, I, and this is nothing against Kadero Hodge, but if it was a Kadero Hodge or somebody like that, you're not going to get you know somebody the level of Clowney or or Miles. These these are going to be fourth, fifth, you know, rotational edge guys, which it could be enough. It's fine, but I don't want anybody to think that we're saying they're going to trade Kadero Hodge for somebody who's going to come in and play like TJ Watt or something like that. That's not what we're saying. These are these are trades where you fill the back end of the roster. Somebody who can come in and do specials. Somebody who can you know maybe step up for a game or two into that edge two role if somebody gets dinged or goes in the protocol or something like that. So yeah, I mean they they have options. They have plenty of options. Um, so far, this is the only big uh, potential injury. Uh, you know, we don't even know what it is yet. But this would be the first big loss since we dodged the bullet with Anthony Walker. So 
they're still pretty well set up with all that depth we've been talking about uh, in the offseason. And I, I and I don't know why, but I still I just have this feeling it's going to be OK with Tack. I just I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to come back and he's going to be a solid edge three for us and um, make three or four really huge impact plays at some point at critical points during the season. So um, we're talking about all these options because we need something to talk about and we like doing it. And, uh, you know, it'll probably spark some some people yelling at us on Twitter, which, of course, you and I both love. It's our favorite thing to do. We wake (laughs) up every morning and say, oh, who's yelling at me today? Um, But, (laughs) you know. Uh, in reality, like you, like you said at the beginning, and I'll repeat it again, it's nothing until it's something, and at this point, it's still nothing. So, yeah, keep your eyes out on the waiver wire, go to the uh, free agent lists and all that kind of stuff, but don't really start investing yourself too heavily into anything quite yet. Yeah, still no reason to believe he won't be out there. I know it's ominous from an answer standpoint, but we could get clarification on that thing any day, and it works out. But it's not bad to have a conversation about where it could sure. be going, what we know, players that could be of... Uh, relevant expectancy and w- and if it gets closer and it does come to fruition we'll obviously fill you in with everything we know fill you in with all the players that are of, uh, available and kind of try to enlighten you on performances of those on the roster that's the point of tomorrow which is our first really good viewing of a browns setup we're going to get this orange and brown it's not a scrimmage it's just a practice but we're going to get as kevin stefanski said situational football we're going to get two minute periods we're going to get some live action and really good vantage points because people keep asking me you know how's How's Drew Ford playing or how's Curtis Weaver playing? And I don't know. It's hard to see, but we can actually get a really good view. And I'll try to get those answers for you tomorrow. Before I let you go, Steve, what uh, anything you're particularly interested in with this practice scrimmage, whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, kind of keying in on from I know you won't be there, obviously, but you can try to, to peel your eye to certain players or certain situations. Anything you're interested in? Um, probably just the same things uh, that everybody else is interested in. Number one for me is going to be the crispness of the uh, passing game. I want to see, you know, all this offseason work that they've been doing. And they have been. They have been working their tails off together, working on timing and precision and eight and a half yards, not nine yards, that kind of stuff. I want to see uh, how much of that has already taken root. Uh, You know, it's only one week worth of padded practices. So there's going to be stumbles. There's going to be stuff that looks clunky. That's just the way it is on August 8th or whatever tomorrow is. Um, but I want to see that. I want to see that look crisp because I think we know what we're going to get from the running backs. I think we know what we're going to get from the offensive line. Um, you know, that kind of stuff. I don't, unless somebody looks just absolutely terrible, I'm not going to really pay that much attention to either of those spots. And then of course, all the new faces on defense, you know, uh, we keep talking about, uh, would you play any of your starters in the preseason? Would you play any, uh, I fall this way on the offense. I would play them a series or two each game just to knock the rust off and get out there in a game situation and that kind of stuff. But the defense, there are so many new faces and I know you don't, nobody wants to risk injury in August. And I'm, I I hate preseason game injuries. It's the worst thing, but you're week one. You're not getting thrown into the deep end. You're getting thrown into the Marianas Trench, man. Just over a month from now, the nine new starters or whatever it is have to line up against Patrick Mahomes and company. So they need as many live reps together as they can possibly get over the next month so they can gel as much as they can. So I'm not saying you play the whole defense, you know, all three games or anything like that, but give them you know, a quarter at least. Maybe some of the rookies give them a half. 
something like that, and then let the back end of the guys battle for their roster spots, which is what most of preseason is about. But as far as tomorrow, that's what I'm going to be looking for. Do the rookies look lost? Do they look like they're ahead of the game? How does JOK look because he is a week behind or a week and a half behind or however long it was that he was in the protocol? I know he was doing stuff on his own and he didn't have any symptoms, and, and that's all fantastic and that's great. But as you know, and everyone you know who's a football fan knows, you cannot replicate game speed. You just you got to get out there and do it over and over and over. So that's the things I'm going to be looking for. Um, the other thing I'm going to be looking for, I don't know if they'll have the green dot out there, but without Walker, who looks like they're grooming them to take that spot in case he is out or uh, that kind of stuff. So who, who's the number two green dot guy is something that I would be curious if we'll get even a tiny bit of information on tomorrow. All good questions, which we will try to answer. Check in on our on our next podcast on Monday morning. So, Steve, thanks for sticking around with us, man. Good uh, good discussion here on TAC. Good discussion on uh, this uh, practice tomorrow is what they're calling it. And and we will check back in. We'll check back in with you live on, on Twitch on Monday, right? Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to, to um, finish this up. And then between the time we're done and the time you get it posted, uh, Tack announces he's retiring and we look like idiots. <laughs> that would be perfect. That would be par for the course, wouldn't it? It doesn't take much to make us look like idiots. That's for, that's for damn sure. <laughs> Thanks, brother. We appreciate you, man. Uh, anytime, my friend. All right. So if you're up at Sunday's practice session here today, maybe you're listening to this on your way in. I encourage you to... Uh, to get ready for it. There's a lot of fun stuff to watch. You heard some of the things Steve's going to be watching for. Like I said, I will try to gather as much data and information on everything I can find from that practice and uh, and consume and give you some insight. So if you're up there and you see me, say what's up. I'm going to sit in the stands with my nephews who are going, who really want to go. So uh, should be a good time. Check it out. I'll be there. If you're there, like I said, and you see me, holler, let me know what's up, say hi. Anyway, thanks to Stephen Thomas for joining us, taking his time, giving us some insights. And hopefully tax back soon, back healthy, mentally, physically, all of that stuff works out for him and, and it helps the Browns 2021 campaign. Thanks for a great week of podcasts so far. Again, we'll be back for your Monday podcast with some insights from this, from this practice session. Have a great, great Sunday. And as usual, guys, go Browns. <laughs>